Hello, beautiful humans, and welcome to the Bitcoin Store and to episode number four of School of Coin, which is a show that Eddie and I are doing our best to create 21 episodes uh, for those who are curious about Bitcoin and want to begin the learning process. And as a new way to timestamp podcast recording sessions, we're now going to be mentioning Moscow time at the start of every episode. I just learned about Moscow time yesterday. I think it's awesome. And for those who don't know, Moscow time is how many sats you can buy for one US dollar as well as the current block being mined. Uh, and so current Moscow time is 1591 at block 706,033. So 1591 at 706,033. Uh, I also want to give a shout out to Roxanne who gifted me this awesome shirt. Uh, for those listening, I'm currently wearing a shirt with a rainbow unicorn who is shitting Bitcoin. So uh, big fan. Thanks, Roxanne. And as a reminder, the Bitcoin store is a community-funded platform. So if you enjoy listening, you can support the project by sending some sats to the QR code at our homepage at bitcoinstore.com. And you can also now stream sats using the Breeze app, which has a really cool uh, podcast feature that lets you essentially stream sats directly to content creators as you're listening. So pretty cool. With that said, today's episode, we will be answering the question and doing our best to answer the question, what is Bitcoin? And this is actually a really hard question to answer uh, because Bitcoin is many things, depending on who you are, how you're using Bitcoin, and sort of how concrete or philosophical you want to get. But Eddie and I have each narrowed down our best three answers to that question based on the target audience of who's listening to the show. And we're going to unpack each of them today. So, you know, actually, even just something to mention, the fact that Bitcoin can be so many things, we're creating a show in future called Bitcoin is dot, dot, dot. And there's already 18 episodes listed on the website uh, with their own respective topics to unpack. So Bitcoin can be a lot of things and we want to dive into all those eventually. But today we're keeping it simple. And Eddie, let's kick off with your first point, which is that uh, Bitcoin is freedom. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thanks, Nick. Bitcoin is freedom. Uh, this was the first uh, Bitcoin is that I decided to talk about today. And so um, here I go. Um, this is a big one. I think that um, Bitcoin encapsulates uh, freedom very well because um, for, for a couple different things. Um, as a uh, Bitcoin is freedom because you have, uh, you have freedom to see the protocol. So you, can, you have visibility into seeing everything that's going on within the network. You also have freedom to join the network um, and participate in that network, whether you know you want to send um, or share Bitcoin or save Bitcoin. Um, but it does also give you, uh, you know, that 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 freedom to interact. Um, you know, when I when I think about, uh, you know, even on previous episodes, we we talk about using the legacy system, and that's I guess the main point here that that I will hit on the head um, is that. You know, I can't, I can't, uh, I can't go to the bank and and uh, you know use use my funds 365 um, anytime that I want. Um, but that is very different with Bitcoin, and uh, we can go you know more into that in the future. But um, I think that it is a very good way to explain Bitcoin because you really uh, you really have full use of the tool and full use of the network and. Uh, every day I learn more about, um, you know, how much I don't know. And that just makes me feel more free, um, you know, in this network. You know, I can learn more. 
um, and uh, and make my own decisions. So that's it. Bitcoin is freedom for me. Powerful, dude. That's a good one. And I, when you um, sent that over to me, the first thing I did was sort of look up like, what does freedom actually mean? I'm <laughs> I'm really I'm really into defining terms before I even think about them because I think the definition itself, number one, there's usually an array of definitions, and you can often choose which one uh, fits your subjective. Um, sort of definition, right? Because at a certain point, definitions are, are kind of subjective, which one you choose. And so it was def the definition I found was the condition of being able to say, think, or do whatever you want without being controlled. And another kind of element of it was the state of not being imprisoned or enslaved. And it just kind of made me think that money is really this system of control um, that literally can enslave us by stealing our time, which is done through arbitrary creation of new money. So I think this whole notion of Bitcoin being freedom really is, for me, ties into Bitcoin unshackling me from the control of the people who um, are determining what happens with our money, right? Like I was born in Canada. I was kind of born into a system of control, which is the Canadian dollar. I'm free to use US dollars or euros, but those are also their own independent systems of control. And they're all collaborating together to maintain that control. And so Bitcoin really is the freedom, like you said, you know, if you go down to something concrete, the legacy system is like five business days until you can access the money that you own that was given to you. Um, you know, you can't go and take your money out on weekends. Uh, and it's so silly. You know, like I think my brother's got a two-year-old and I think that when someone says five business days, um, he's going to be like, what does that mean? Like in the context of money, because it's not a thing, right? And even you know, it's hilarious to see Bitcoin price action happen on weekends sometimes and the crazy changes that can happen there because Bitcoin isn't like the New York Stock Exchange that's open like nine to four Monday to Friday. Bitcoin is open 24-7, 365. Anyone can trade at any time. And I think the freedom to do that and the freedom also to take um, whatever wealth you've accumulated with you wherever you want to go without anyone telling you that you can't, that's like some legitimate freedom, right? Like, and, and for us, you know, you live in the United States, I live in Canada, maybe not as big of an issue, but for someone who lives in, I don't know, Afghanistan and needs to leave because it's being war torn and take everything they have with them. Uh, it's really hard to do that with like, um, I don't know what the currency is in Afghanistan, but if you take that currency, it's not gonna be worth much elsewhere. Um, and it's really hard to take like gold bars, but it's very easy to take Bitcoin with you. You can do it in 24 words in your brain. And so I think it really is, you know, financial freedom is almost like the base layer of freedom in society. And yeah, that was a really, that was a really good one. Thanks for suggesting that. <laughs> yeah. The next one, um, this was my sort of first one. Cause you know, like I said, Bitcoin's a lot of things depending on what context you're looking at, but at its sort of at a fundamental level, Bitcoin is an objectively better form of money that you must choose. And I think the choose part is really important, right? Cause we've never had a choice with money before. And, you know, we just recorded School of Coin episode three, which is all about what is money. And when I say objectively better, what I mean by that is it's not better because I said it's better or because some other person said it's better. It's better because based on first principles of money and what we covered in the last episode, Bitcoin is engineered to be the best form of money that's ever been, that's ever existed. And, you know, it's a new language to communicate value that was created by Satoshi Nakamoto in 2009 and has been increasing in global adoption since. And this form of money is borderless, it's permissionless, it's decentralized, it's censorship resistant, digital money that can't be created out of thin air. It requires someone to expend energy in order to create it, which is part of the reason that it's fair. Um, and it, it, that fair system has rules that are transparent 
and they apply to everyone on the network equally, regardless of who you are, where you live, how much money you have, how much power and influence you have. You are just like everyone else on the network. And so Bitcoin is really just money for the people that serves as a reliable tool to store human time. So to me, Bitcoin is just the biggest thing is it's objectively better money. And I think that's the point that I tend to bring up first when someone's first exposed to it, because that's the one that's most relevant. And obviously that leads down the rabbit hole of like, what is money? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, man, I think that's a really good point. And uh, I, I really like uh, the last point that you mentioned in there. I think it's the most important uh, that you must choose. Uh, yes. We we talk about this. We talked about this in the last episode, um, you know, on on why uh, Bitcoin is and, and has the opportunity or, or, you know, it doesn't have the opportunity. It just is objectively a better money. Um, but then it comes down to, uh, you know, reflecting on your own values and reflecting on your own uh, idea of, you know, uh, what you're going to do with your money and how you're going to, you know, store your time. And so I think that's a really great point um, that, you know, we're presented with this information now, you know, uh, learning about money, I learned about money. um, But then I need to make the decision, you know, to to go out and save some money in Bitcoin or or do whatever I want to do with it to 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 benefit me. So yeah, I think that's a really good point. Yeah. And Thomas Strolight writes about this a lot about this whole that's where I kind of got the concept of it's money you must choose. And that's very important. Because in order for people to in order for the price to go up and adoption to increase, people must choose Bitcoin. Some people are going to be, can choose it out of curiosity. They learn about it and they, they make a, a decision voluntarily to choose it. Other people will be forced to choose it, right? When there's no other tool, when you live in Venezuela and what your money's worth today is completely different than tomorrow, it almost uh, forces you to, to choose it. But I think at the end of the day, in order for Bitcoin to have people choose it, it needs to constantly listen and evolve to reflect the kind of money people want to choose. And so it's cool because it, it really, it, you know, it might not evolve quickly because the whole point with sound money is like, don't break it. It's very important. Um, but like gold's not evolving. Gold's not changing. Gold is not working to actively get people of planet earth to choose to use it. Bitcoin is. And so, um, you know, but I think the big thing there is foundation. It's just an objectively better money. And that alone is an important reason to choose it. Because when you understand that money is how you essentially store your time, um, then using better money becomes very important from a, both a selfish and a societal perspective for us to coordinate. Um, next one up, one that Eddie had suggested, Bitcoin is a catapult for learning. Let's hear you unpack that because that is a juicy one. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I keep picking these fun ones. So I wrote a couple, um, just a couple different topics down. um, Because when I uh, went down the quote unquote, rabbit hole, uh, that is Bitcoin, you start to um, go down many different rabbit holes. And so um, I guess the best way for me to, un, you know, explain this, like, why is it a catapult for learning? Um, I, when I started learning about Bitcoin, I started learning about economics. I started learning more about mathematics. I started learning about computer science, game theory, politics, savings, technology, revolutionary discoveries, paradigm shifts in society. And, um, 
the reason that I think it's a catapult for learning is because I just quite frankly, couldn't, could have cared less about a lot of this stuff uh, before I was learning about Bitcoin. And then, you know, by learning about Bitcoin, I was starting to quote unquote, connect the dots. And, and a lot of these things started to have personal importance for me. Um, So, yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's a catapult for learning uh, because really uh, as, as Bitcoin matures, uh, you know, 13 years old now going on, <clears throat> you know, it's still very young. Uh, like you said, the um, narrative on its usage has also changed and it's constantly um, reflecting, you know, what is the best money out there, um, you know, based on people's definitions. So I think intertwining itself with literally, um, you know, almost every aspect of life, you know, it's, it, 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 it kind of brings you back full circle. And it's like, wow, you know, um, mathematics is why Bitcoin is so great. You know, and this is also why mathematics is important to me and and it's important to my life. And, um, you know, economics are very important and, uh, you know, it might suit me and uh, my future and my family to start learning about this stuff. Um, And so I think, you know, it's really catapulted me to um, find, uh, like resonance and value in um, a lot of things that I didn't think I had control of prior to. Yeah, really well said. And I think this whole notion of it being a catapult for learning, like you said, it leads you down a lot of paths. And there are paths that you might not have, a, a, you know, without a practical application to learn about economics or to learn about human psychology or to learn about technology. You might not really go down that path, not because it's uninteresting, because you have no practical way of applying the learning, right? You're not going to read a giant economics textbook without really having either a deep desire to understand economics or having a curiosity as to how something pieces in, how economics fits with this thing that you're actually interested about. And so I agree the the journey to understand Bitcoin, and it is a journey, the journey actually never ends because Bitcoin never ends. It's constantly evolving. Um, and it leads you down many paths, you know, like to understand Bitcoin, like you said, is to understand game theory, human psychology, philosophy, technology, governance, values, um, community, you know, like all of these things, you now have this practical, practical application of all of these disciplines. Um, and, you know, if Bitcoin is the foundational language, if money is the foundational language all society is built on, it's going to affect all the other elements of society. And so it is really, you know, for the curious individual, um, Bitcoin is the ultimate rabbit hole that has no bottom. <laughs> and that can be either overwhelming or it can be exciting. Um, and I think the coolest thing about that is that Bitcoin, not only is it a catapult for learning, it actually rewards you for paying attention. It rewards you for learning in a very major way, which is that you get early access, uh, early adopter status to this um, good that we're witnessing being monetized in real time. And, you know, people that are alive 30 years from now will be like, wow, it would have been amazing to be alive in 2020 and be able to buy Bitcoin for like $5,000. That would, that's probably, that's going to seem as crazy as us saying, I can't believe someone paid 10,000 Bitcoins for a pizza. You know, like this is, this is the kind of shit that's going to happen. And so I think um, not only is it catapult for learning and a gateway to be able to learn about things and create interest in different areas, which are, are good to know as a human, right? Like understanding having a a grasp on like, what are my values or like, what does community mean? 
how do how do how do how do economics apply to my life out of even just self-interest? Um, I think it's good to give people a reason to want to learn because I think learning uh, has been butchered in in terms of how it's done in school, right? Like um, my in high school, I didn't learn; I memorized. Um, I learned how to do good on tests so that I could not fail. In university, I didn't learn; I memorized. Right? I didn't actually have any self-directed learning process. It was here's a menu of shit you have to memorize to do on a test to get the paper that you, you paid to get. And it's like, that is not learning. That is just literally memorization. And um, I think learning really has to involve uh, a, a, an in, intrinsic drive to want to learn, but it also involves connecting a bunch of dots, right? It's not just about learning technology and psychology and philosophy. It's like, how do all these things intertwine? And I think Bitcoin is like, um, the ingredient that forms the core of the web and allows you to kind of ping off of all these things, but also maintain a systems view that, oh, they're all connected. And Bitcoin is like the heart of that connection. Um, what are you, what, what was the, what was the area of learning that you would have expected yourself to go into least that Bitcoin has guided you towards just out of curiosity? Oh man, like economics for sure. Mm. um i yeah, like boring, even the saying the word is boring as fuck <laughs> yeah and i and and the funny thing is is like i realized you know i i think i got a um d in my economics class in college just because i i just didn't care to even show up and you know that just showed my like absolute lack of of like you said there was no practical application and i mean a lot of my friends were economics majors because they wanted a really good job which i don't blame them i think it's a great thing to learn but um you know, even t thinking about economics, it's like, if I would have learned economics, would I have been learning, uh, you know, Keynesian economics? Would I have been learning, you know, Austrian economics? Like what, what exactly would I have been learning? And um, like you said, being able to, uh, I love the way that you put that as like a systems view, um, because I think it's really important to connect dots and Bitcoin uh, allows me to, connect a lot of dots in my life and uh, it's it's helping me like someone who got a d in economics in college to actually be able to have a, a somewhat coherent conversation um about it which is exciting to me so yeah what about you nick yeah what's funny is you probably understand economics in terms of the truth of economics better than the, the professor who is supposed to be teaching economics <laughs> and you know tomer shirley has this article saying that bitcoin um it's either bitcoin is a teacher and I think a catapult for learning is really what a teacher is. Um, and Bitcoin also taught him to be a better teacher. Um, and I think that, you know, being a teacher is a, is a lofty responsibility. It's very important, right? And I think there's like this credo that all teachers should adopt, which is not that you're not there to tell people what they need to know. You're there to stimulate them to want to understand more. And then maybe share what you have with an open mind that you're probably going to learn you're going to learn reciprocally from them based on their questions. And, um, and I think that you having a D in economics says way more about the person teaching you economics and maybe their lack of ability to build interest in why you should give a shit about economics than it does about your intelligence level or your level of motivation. Yeah. And so I think that Bitcoin is this beautiful teacher that holds that responsibility magically because it really does build interest. It builds, it makes you more curious. And I think I'm not going to lie in saying that the number go up factor doesn't influence that, but it's almost like the reward you get for uh, being committed to a process of learning. And it takes like you, it's expensive 
to get that reward because you have to pay time. You have to pay attention. And I think time being really the only finite thing, like I was just um, kind of dabbling in uh, Bitcoin standard because I haven't read it in a while and I wanted to just like flip through some chapters. And Saifedean talks about how time is really the only resource um, that is limited, right? Indiv human time. And even saying that gold is a limited resource is really false, right? Because as soon as you add more volume of human time, you will actually extract more gold, right? Like human time and human time spent on technology to figure out better ways to extract gold from either deeper layers of the crust or meteorites or whatever. So it's really just human time is the, is the sole variable that we're working with. And I think when you spend your time on something, um, you are making a commitment. And by spending time on Bitcoin, you get rewarded with a better understanding of how life works and how and some universal truths, which I think we're not told and we're actually veered away from. And you get rewarded for that. And I think that's part, like we all react incentives. And I think Bitcoin has this beautiful incentive to learn and get deeper understanding in so many areas that it's like, the University of Bitcoin is a beautiful, free university available to everyone. And I think a catapult for learning was a brilliant point because it really, I never thought about it until I read what you, what you had um, messaged me. And I was like, shit, it's so true. You know, so many areas for me, the area that I probably wouldn't have looked into um, or that I definitely wouldn't have looked into if it wasn't for Bitcoin is really the technology side of understanding like the mathematic of hashing and you know, what is the role that um, technology and coding, like running my own node was a very big exercise and push my boundaries of like technological patience, I would say. Um, I mean, shout out to Umbral for making it so easy that I thought I fucked it up because I was like, I can't be done right now. Like it was, <laughs> it was sinking the blockchain. I was like, there's no way I did this right. Um, but I think the technology side, it's actually made me interested in wanting to like I've even took a glance at the um, the first piece of code that Satoshi wrote. And I'm like, I don't really know what this says, but I can kind of see, like I can see where the supply cap is in there. I can see where the um, having schedule, like I, I can start to, to read the language that I had no interest in ever learning because it's actually tangible to me, right? And this whole idea of like verify the code is like, well, I'm not gonna verify the code. I don't even speak that language, but it's like, well, I can learn. If I could learn about Bitcoin and understand all that other shit, I could probably learn a little bit about coding and then it becomes less intimidating and you boost your confidence. And yeah, I think um, the technology aspect or the coding aspect is something I never expected to even care about, uh, but it's made me more and more interested in it. So. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and, and just the one last thing that I'll um, add on that is that just a lot of this information um, is like made, it's made public, you know, the, the uh, uh, you know, Bitcoin is open source. So this, the, the code that you were reading, you know, anybody can read and uh, if they want to. And, um, you know, as far as, as far as, as being a catapult for learning, you know, one thing that really uh, maybe stifled my my energy to learn was uh, that you know in today's day and age there are um, professionals for every you know to help me understand everything and um, when I started learning about Bitcoin you, you start to re you know retake that responsibility and um, you realize yeah you know you can start to wrap your head around things like mathematics and game theory and, and economics you know even someone like me and so um, yeah, it's, it's a whole bunch of fun to learn and it's never ending. It is. Yeah. If you're curious, it's like an adventure that never ends. It's great. Um, someone the other day sent me a message and said, did you get so deep down the rabbit hole? You, you can't get out. I'm like, 
even better. I don't want to get out. It's too fun down there. <laughs> uh, the next one I had uh, listed was that Bitcoin is protection from time theft. And this is a really sneaky one that I think is actually has, has lately been the biggest reason, the biggest point I bring up when I'm bringing this up with family. Um, Cause I'm the annoying guy that has brought up Bitcoin at family dinners for like five years. And it went through like fluctuating degrees of interest, usually based on the price or mainstream media or whatever it is. Um, but the biggest point that I try and dial in is that, you know, the reason I kept bringing it up is the equivalent of, I just found out a secret that someone is stealing from my family every day, every month, someone's stealing money from my family. And I obviously want my family to know this and I want them to know that it's true and to literally want to take action to stop the theft. And it sounds like that sounds kind of extreme, but the reality is that Money creation is time theft, okay? We work, we take a risk, we give value to the world, the world pays us in money. If the people who control that money are creating more of it out of thin air uh, without even really telling us, then every dollar that we've earned by putting our time into giving value to the world is being diluted. And you know we've been programmed to think that inflation is this normal thing and it's good and that our money degrading in purchasing power over time each year is not only okay, but actually desirable. And it's basically like we've all been hypnotized with this spell to the point where we don't question it to the point where our government actually doesn't tell it. Like I had to dive really deep to find out what the M2 money supply increase was in Canada from Jan 20 to 21. Cause so I was like, they gotta be printing some shitload of dollars. Like I'm hearing this here and there. And when I look at it and they print like Canada printed more money in the last year than they had in the past, the previous 40 years combined. That doesn't even sound like a real stat. That sounds like it, I'm making it up and being an extremist, but this is like factually true. Don't believe me. Look it up. Don't trust, verify. Um, and so that, like, that's really alarming because both my parents are past the point of their, the bulk of their working years. Therefore, the monetary energy they've accumulated by giving their life energy for their entire lives. Um, and oftentimes we sacrifice a lot of our health to earn that energy is now being stolen from them at a time when they have to rely on that energy for the rest of their life because they're not earning more energy. And it really pissed me off. Like it really made me angry when I started understanding this. Um, and so I think it's a huge lie that's only allowed to continue because of our cultural sort of financial ignorance. And so by becoming, by taking responsibility for your, for your financial health, um, you are becoming immune to the fuckery that governments are doing in stealing our time. And so to me, one of the really, you know, and this is deeply intertwined with Bitcoin is objectively better money, but it, I think it's its own thing that warrants its own conversation, um, is that Bitcoin is protection from time theft. And we'll do, I think we should do an entire episode on inflation because the word inflation is, has almost lost most of its meaning. Because based on whatever context you use it in, just the CPI is like the biggest joke ever. So we got to, we got to, in School of Coin, I think we do an episode on inflation. But um, what are your thoughts on Bitcoin being time theft? And is that something uh, you think about at all or something that's that you find relevant? Yeah, Nick, uh, I think that that it was extremely well put. And I do think it's a, it's, it, it's a very, um, it's a very true subject. I think that you communicated it very well. Um, that's one thing that I've maybe, uh, you know, I'm still working on myself, being able to, to communicate that, 
that um, same urgency that I felt um, last year. I, I remember digging through. Well, first of all, I remember in 2020, like hearing people say M1, M2, and then I'm just like, what the F is M1, M2? And then I'm like, okay. And then I talked to my parents about it and they don't know what it is either. And so, um, you know, it's really interesting once you start to learn about these different, um, these, these different things that are going on in, in society. And um, I think the one thing that came to my mind uh, when, you know, because uh, I, I, I too have parents that are retired and uh, living off of, you know, their, their hard, uh, you know, my, my dad was um, uh, physical labor, you know, my mom was in physical therapy, they worked hard their whole life. And, uh, and I think on an earlier episode, we talked about um, pegging your lifestyle. And, um, you know, uh, when you're of that age, you, 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 um, you live your life a certain way, and you like living your life that certain way. But in times like these, um, when you see a lot of money printing and a lot of inflation, um, it, it really is kind of heartbreaking and, uh, yeah, I would love to really dig into inflation on a future episode because, uh, I was just watching, uh, you know, I was on Twitter where I get a lot of my, a lot of my information and it's like, I was watching this, uh, news, um, this, this guy being interviewed in the 70s, uh, I think he was probably making, you know, in the US, uh, 18, you know, it doesn't, you know, the, the numbers don't matter, but uh, prices were going up on on things, you know, food and, uh, and it's been a topic since the 70s, you know, since 1971. And why is right. it that it's still a topic? I literally was sitting in my front room today, having coffee listening to people talk about inflation and i'm like it i wasn't even alive in 1970s but am i having like deja vu because this is just like something that has been talked about for 50 years now um so yeah i i those are my thoughts i think that it's a really um touchy subject and i think it's really important for people to start to think about um because um you know uh time is is the one thing that that you can give to yourself and um taking your time away is, is something that uh, should not happen. And we, yeah. we see it a lot. Dude, it's like the ultimate fraud and crime that's been going on since 1971. <laughs> and, you know, I, I, the, we're literally being lied to. And it's really sad that we're being taken advantage of by people who have the control to essentially create as much money as they want without putting work in to do it. And, you know, Preston Pish has a, which I love listening to. He's a, just like a super smart dude. And on the topic of inflation, Jeff Booth wrote a book called The Price of Tomorrow. Jeff is going to be on the podcast in December. I'm going to interview him about right inflation. So I'm really excited for that. And I'll be learning a lot about, a lot more about it um, before then. But Preston Pish talks about how essentially you can give, uh, say, show me 100% inflation. Perfect. I'll find a basket of goods that shows you 100% inflation. Show me 2% inflation. Sure. I'll put together a basket, you know, and essentially what they're doing with CPI is picking what number they want to tell people, whether that reflects or is grounded in reality or not, and then picking a basket that ends up giving them that number. And if that basket excludes the cost of living, the cost of food, the cost of uh, accommodation, like home, like what the fuck good is that number? 
what like those are the three most important things in everyone's lives. So if you exclude them and you pick random things like staplers or something, and you come up with 4%, which is still way higher than what people are ready for. It's complete. It's, it's just like really sad that people are, are willing to lie to, to like the masses like that. And I think that the, the, the sneaky thing about inflation is that it's kind of sugarcoated, right? Like my parents, they're like, you know, inflation's okay. You know, my house went up 30% and they, and I stare at them. I'm like, do you think 30% is a good rate for your house to go up in one year? Do you think that's like, to me, that's alarming. I'm like, that's not, that's called hyperinflation. That's not supposed to happen. And so, you know, they look at it and they're like, well, our assets are going up. So this is good, right? I have more money. My house is worth more. It's great. It's like, okay. But when you sell your house, you get a fixed amount for the rest of your life. Everything else that you must purchase is now that much more expensive too, right? Like maybe real estate outpaces uh, cost the capital by 10%. So your house is actually making 10%. The currency got 20% shittier. Therefore, it looks like you're making 30% per year, which is like, so it's kind of, it's one of those things where it really makes me think, is there an actual reason why I never heard the word inflation in high school? Like, is this why? So that they can continue to do this bullshit. And part of me is like, well, it kind of seems that way, right? Like that hierarchy of problems, money, governance, education, health, climate, you know, at the superficial level. Well, if money is allowing people to get into governance that are determining what we learn in school to make sure that we never find out the truth about money, we end up on this carousel, like you said, where it's like, am I getting deja vu? Are we like inflation hasn't stopped being a problem and people accept it as just something that happens, but they don't realize that like there's certain people who are creating that for it's a human manufactured phenomena through manipulation of capital. It is not a natural thing. Um, and so, yeah. yeah, I think it's like the ultimate shield from time theft that everyone has access to. If you're like, Someone who works in a grocery store, you have access to the same shield as I do and that you do. And the only price you have to pay for that shield is your time and attention into understanding how this works. And hopefully School of Coin is a, a tool they can use to acquire that shield. So I think what we're doing is that gives me a shitload of meaning to do these things. I don't know about <laughs> yeah. you, but oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So protection from time theft. The, the, your la the last one that you mentioned, and I really like this, is you... Uh, initially sent to me, you said uh, a bridge for gaps. And we kind of like boiled it down to Bitcoin is a universal constant. And I would love for you to unpack that a little bit and then we'll riff on it because I think it's a powerful one. Yeah, this one was really fun. It was fun just going back and forth uh, earlier today. Um, but these were kind of my thoughts is that um, I guess I can, I, I will first start out with just my own personal journey and you know, finding, finding truth within the world. Um, in today's day and age, I, I, you know, and, and you can, you know, everybody can probably relate with this too. Um, it seems to me like there's always, when you're learning about something, there's like two opinions. There's like, oh, well, you could be the, you know, the red opinion or the blue opinion, or, yeah. you know, um, you know, you're either a, a, you know, a Democrat or Republican or, you know, um, there's this way to, to eat, you know, you could eat meat or you, you could be, be a carnivore, you could be a vegan, you know? Um, and I'm just like, in my head, I, I'm always like, there's gotta be, there's gotta be one way um, that makes sense. Cause you know, we're all, we're all human in, in, in the end. And so it's kind of been my, my life goal to really um, 
hang on to things that are universal and things that I can relate to with anybody that I'm talking to. And so, you know, in, in today's day and age, I think that Bitcoin is a really, really great universal constant where there is a lot of divisiveness and separation in opinion. Um, Bitcoin is, is something where humanity can find agreeance and, um, you know, there isn't, a, there isn't two different Bitcoins uh, and uh, two different systems. It's one protocol and um, we, it makes a lot of sense when you, when you learn about the fundamentals of it and you can choose to opt into it. Those are my thoughts. Yeah. States, me in Canada, a guy living in India or a person living in China. We all are able to evaluate the same constant, which allows us to interoperably sort of communicate. Um, if, he, if someone in China is using a Chinese app and I'm using a Canadian app and those apps are our second layers on this layer of finance was base layer protocol, then it connects us in ways that like, kind of like the internet connected us. Right. And you're right. There's so many things that exist these days to disconnect us. Right. For whatever reason, whether that's like this divisiveness in you're either in this camp or this camp or whatever it may be. And I think truth is like, everyone has to discover their own truth. Um, and oftentimes your perspective of truth is based on the information you've had access to or your willingness to actually engage with the process of critical thinking. And I think there's not that many people that have the tools to actually think critically about things or have the desire to learn about, like the world is super complex. It's gotten so complex that I think it actually exceeds the human capacity for being able to understand things because there's so many distractions. Um, oftentimes truth is not necessarily hidden. It's just buried under so much bullshit that it becomes impossible to find. And I think, um, you know, Bitcoin is the lighthouse that shines regardless of how much noise there is, right? If you think of noise, like fog, even on a foggy day, you can see the lighthouse and you can, um, you know, share where the lighthouse is with someone else, not by saying the lighthouse is there, but by saying, Hey, do you see that light over there? Yes. Okay. Well, that's the lighthouse, you know, and, and it's really you, you get to offer people the opportunity to learn about Bitcoin for themselves and determine truth for themselves um, because you know that it's a universal constant. It is not, you know, they have, yes, they can get off track. And yes, there's going to be people convincing them that all these other things are money. But at the end of the day, if someone puts in the due diligence, it's easy to see that the constant is Bitcoin. The constant is protocol, this base layer protocol for fair global money. And yeah, I really, I like that notion as, because, you know, some of the things on that list of Bitcoin is dot, 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 in terms of show episodes, like two of them that are on there is Bitcoin is truth and Bitcoin is reality. And I really like the reality piece because I think economists today and people who are uh, running the show in terms of how much money is getting created are completely disconnected with reality and don't actually understand the second, third, fourth order effects of what they're doing. They're literally just like, we need to make this thing not break tomorrow. So we're going to do this. And I probably won't even be in this position by the time it breaks. So I'm just going to let the next person deal with the breakage. And when that gets done enough times, and we just kind of pass it on, pass on the buck of the breakage to the next person, it costs everyone a lot in terms of suffering, right? When money fails, and I, my, my honest hope in my heart is that money does not fail is that we end up going through this smooth transition period where Bitcoin starts to hold these money creators accountable so that they can't do as much bullshit, which will give some pain, 
right? Like we have to experience some pain um, in order for us not to implode. And my hope is that Bitcoin will be a rebalancer and sort of usher us into a new age of money. Um, and not just like, I don't want the fiat money to implode because the entire world, like when money fails, it's very ugly. <laughs> um, like, I hope we never get there, but I really think that I hope that the money creators get held accountable. I hope that power gets redistributed so that the people now have um, some way of defending themselves and actually like opting out of the bullshit control systems that have been created. And it makes me feel really good that this is a constant. This thing is not changing. This is like the anchor that I know I can go back and find if I get confused. And um, yeah, I think viewing Bitcoin as sort of a universal constant is a, is a really powerful way to frame the concept. The last one I had, and this is a, you know, this is a pretty heavy one for me, and it relates a lot to, um, you know, our work that we've done together in the, in the world of health. And it's that Bitcoin is responsibility. And I heard Gabor Mate, who's a fellow Canadian working in kind of the addiction space uh, of health. I heard him break down responsibility one time on a podcast. I thought it was brilliant. And he breaks it down to response able. In order to take responsibility, you have to have the ability to respond to the problem. And, you know, you have to have an understanding of the problem and have some tools that you can apply. And so, you know, Bitcoin is a tool that enables individuals to respond to the problem of broken money that steals from them. And I think that's really powerful. And, you know, not only that, but responsibility is kind of built into the protocol of Bitcoin, right? Like to learn the, the only way to really get involved with Bitcoin is to learn how to acquire and store Bitcoin securely. Like that's the cost of admission to the network. And in, in the true ethos of Bitcoin, like that knowledge cannot be outsourced or delegated to someone else, right? Like you can, you can seek other people to contribute to your knowledge, but someone can't learn how Bitcoin works for you and buy Bitcoin for you and store Bitcoin for you. Cause they're probably going to steal your Bitcoin. <laughs> right. And so I think responsibility like when, when someone says responsibility, um, what does that make you, what is like, what uh, ideas or thoughts does that evoke for you? Yeah. Well, it just makes me, um, responsibility makes me reflect back on myself. Um, you know, when I think about being responsible, I first think about being a kid and the joy of uh, or the uh, innocence of like, you know, experiencing the lack of responsibility, maybe personal responsibility, you know, maybe emotional responsibility and things like that. But, um, you know, when I think of responsibility now, I, I as an adult, um, you know, I think about uh, my, my emotional well-being, my, my health, my financial well-being, um, you know, the different commitments I make to other people. And I think that um, in it might have been in an earlier episode, you and I were having a conversation about the current system and its ability for people to uh, basically avoid responsibility, you know, decision makers uh, making decisions, but not having to be held accountable or like accountability, you know, um, and I think that, um, you know, in terms of, you know, responsibility, Bitcoin it gives 
a great opportunity to be accountable for every decision and every action that you make um, because of the nature of the protocol, because that it is, um, you know, um, you can access it 24 seven because it is um, truth because, you know, the ledger has been, uh, you know, stamped on the blockchain since the beginning of, of, of Bitcoin. It's, uh, it's inherently responsible for itself. And so, you know, that, um, to me, that deep, deep, you know, deep rooted sense of responsibility is like you said, it's this guiding light. It's going to shine through the noise. It's going to push through all that other noise and, uh, you know, and hopefully it can land on, on your plate and, and you can take responsibility, uh, you know, of it in, in your own life or, you know, in my own life, which is, which is what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. And I think, you know, when we look at responsibility, I think there's a lot of ways where society has engineered ways for us to forfeit responsibility. I, I like health was the most blatant, um, demonstration of this for me, right? I go through physio school and I'm taught that people need to come see me to get fixed, right? It's my responsibility to fix others. Um, the, the problems that others are facing with their physical body. And it's kind of this bullshit that essentially is taught to you, but it's actually not true, right? I cannot be responsible. The only person that could be responsible for their own health is the individual. And, you know, I think our medical system is fundamentally disempowering and removes responsibility, right? Oh, you, you've lived unhealthily because you, you know, number one, you, you probably weren't taught. I don't, I don't think we're even given the tools to take responsibility for our health, to be quite frank. So this is not an individual, you know, the problem of being unhealthy does not lie completely on the individual. There's a societal element of that society has to take some ownership and accountability for the, the fact that people aren't given tools to be responsible for their health. But when someone begins to understand or is told that they can and should begin taking responsibility and taking ownership for their health. All of a sudden there's an impetus to say, well, I can't just take this drug to cover up my shitty lifestyle, right? I can't just take this drug to suppress the symptoms of this disease. I actually have to own the fact that I'm doing this shit to myself and that I can't just forfeit responsibility to a pill or to a doctor or to a surgery. And I think the metaphor to finance is that, you know, when you give your money to the bank, you're trusting them that they're going to take care of your money, right? When you allow someone else to determine how your money that you're using gets created, you're, you're kind of putting yourself at risk to the fact that they might be messing with your money and not telling you. And I think respons- part of responsibility is actually scary, right? Like it's scary to think that you are fully and wholly responsible for your health. It's scary to think that you are fully and wholly responsible for managing um, your wealth, right? Like if you lose your keys, to a, a million dollars worth of Bitcoin, no one's going to help you. No one's going to bail you out. This is, the fa- this is like the distinction between full responsibility. There will be Bitcoin banks that will say, oh, we'll hold your Bitcoin. Probably they're going to try and steal it after enough time, whether that's taking like little fees or like, I don't know, getting hacked or I don't know. Um, but I think this whole notion that, and it, you see this with people in the, you see this with Bitcoiners, right? It's this like philosophy of taking responsibility. Typically, there are people who are working to improve their understanding of health, working to improve their understanding of economics and psychology and philosophy. And they're taking responsibility actively by learning. And the reason they're able to do that is because they're not having the time stolen anymore. Therefore, they have more time 
to learn and take responsibility, right? And it's like this vicious positive feedback loop, which usually on the other side is negative, right? You use, you use fiat, you're constantly getting your time stolen. You have less time. You have to weed out things that you no longer have time for, like taking care of yourself, like learning about how money works. I don't have time for that. I'm just trying to survive and pay my mortgage and feed my kids. And, and you know, like I'm just trying to stay afloat. And when you get off that Ferris wheel by just allocating some time uh, towards starting to understand this and acquiring some Bitcoin and slowly putting more and more of your wealth into something that doesn't allow your time to be stolen, you rediscover a bunch of time, which then refacilitates taking more responsibility through learning. So I think it's this really, I think Bitcoin is responsibility is like a really powerful one for me because uh, I know that it's made me take a lot more responsibility for my own personal finances. Um, and I'm seeing people in my family and friend network um, taking more responsibility, like seeing that they actually have a chance to take more responsibility because before there wasn't even like the choice wasn't there before. Um, and so, yeah, just the fact that you can't, you can't cheat. You can't take the easy path with Bitcoin because there is not really any easy path. There is just the path of constantly improving your understanding to increase um, how, how well you're, how effective that shield is for you. So, yeah, I think that was really well said. And, uh, it just like goes to show how, um, you know, uh, the, you know, it, it might feel so big, this, this, uh, responsibility, um, at first, but, uh, it, it, it's not as overwhelming as, as I thought. And once you are able to start to regain a sense of, uh, true responsibility for your health or your finances, like in the case of Bitcoin, um, you really like, I, I mean, at least for me, like start to experience like levels of freedom and, and happiness that, that I, I um, forgot about for a little while. And it just kind of goes back to like my, really like my journey and discovering Bitcoin and like the importance of it was, you know, I was, I was at a, a, a lower point, point in my life where I needed to um, take responsibility for my health and take responsibility for my happiness. And, um, I logically, uh, came to money and finances, uh, in that process. And, um, I'm very grateful for the, the, you know, the opportunity in like my journey to, to take responsibility back to, to regain it, um, in that space. I think that was really well said, Nick. Yeah. I think when you take responsibility back, you're taking your power back, right? Like we've kind of gotten accustomed to only certain people having power. And then we're just like, kind of doing our best to cope with the fact that that power often gets often affects us in some way. And I think taking responsibility doesn't mean you do it without mistakes. Right. Um, I think it was Gigi was saying that, you know, humans learn through either curiosity or through pain and on the path to taking more responsibility, there's often a lot of pain, right? There's often a lot of elements that you, you screw up certain things, you learn those lessons. And the cool thing is that I think the Bitcoin space has evolved so much that every there's so many people out there donating their time, creating amazing content that allows us to be easier to understand so that taking responsibility is easier now in terms of the financial world than it ever has been before. And, you know, our mission at TFC was do everything we can to help people reclaim responsibility for their health by creating content that's free and accessible to anyone with an internet connection. Even if you can't pay, it's there. And so I think 
the ease of taking responsibility, like to, to navigate Bitcoin like five years ago uh, was so was like orders of magnitude harder. And so, you know, for people who are intimidated by this notion of Bitcoin, having to learn about all these different elements, like you go at it at your own pace. And actually by starting to learn about something you had, you didn't think you had any business or ability to learn about and realizing it's actually not as scary as I thought, you end up building this confidence that brings you forward into taking more responsibility. And, you know, there's elements, there's, there's points in time that I know for me that I've kind of like stretched my learning ability so far that I got overwhelmed and I had to kind of backtrack a bit. And that's part of the journey of taking responsibility. I'm not, that's not a failure. It's simply like, oh, okay, that's beyond what I can do right now. And I think that understanding Bitcoin is actually packed in to the word taking care of yourself because it's taking care of making sure that the energy you expend into the world is safe. And I think that that is, you know, it's pretty damn cool because it can't be stopped. Like to try and bet against the human desire to learn and to, to seek happiness and to preserve what's rightfully theirs. You're betting against the wrong thing. People creating money out of nowhere. You're betting against something that you're like, I think they've already lost. They just don't know it yet. And they're going to fight until the last minute. But the cool thing is like everyone with an internet connection now has the ability to fight back through understanding uh, and through encryption. And it's pretty, it's pretty cool. So to kind of summarize our, our six points were Bitcoin is freedom. Bitcoin is objectively better money. Bitcoin is a catapult for learning. Bitcoin is protection from time theft. Bitcoin is a universal constant and Bitcoin is responsibility. So um, any final thoughts or stuff that you want to put out there, Eddie, before we wrap this sucker up? Yeah, Nick, um, it was so much fun today. taking charge to define uh, what is Bitcoin with you. And, um, you know, I was kind of surprised with a lot of the really good conversation that was pulled out of these six topics. Um, But yeah, I mean, I I look forward to continuing to um, define what is Bitcoin to me and sharing that with everybody else and and going along this um, discovery process for for uh, the world's greatest money, Bitcoin. So yeah, it, it, it was a lot of fun uh, talking about Bitcoin today. Yeah. And I think Bitcoin is go. I think everyone needs to work on defining what Bitcoin is to them, right? These, these were kind of what Bitcoin is to us. And obviously a lot of these things we see apply to other people. But at the end of the day, um, what Bitcoin is to me has changed over time. It's also multiplied over time. Uh, in terms of like the amount of different meanings that Bitcoin can carry. And I looked at the initial skeleton of this episode last night before dinner. And uh, I went on a two hour walk last night because I was like, I have no idea what I should say. Because I can't say 18 freaking things of what Bitcoin is. We brought, we need to choose the most salient ones for this audience. And this audience for School of Coin is people that are just getting into Bitcoin. And so I think we, I hope at least that we did a pretty good job at laying out the relevant ones for them to know at this point in their journey. Um And to everyone listening, thank you for listening. Thank you for your attention. Thank you for your motivation to learn how to take back financial responsibility. Um, If you enjoy the content, you can support the project by heading to bitcoinstoa.com and sending some sats to the QR code on the homepage when and if you do acquire sats. Um, And so I think the next episode is how to start sacking sats. And I think at this point, if you're interested, 
I think it's important to start getting touch points and engaging with it. Even at a low level, it might be five bucks worth of Bitcoin that you acquire or that you get from someone that is a Bitcoiner and starting to kind of interact with it, interact with the protocol, see what this magic internet money actually does firsthand on the ground. Um, and, and then we'll go into, I think we're going to go, in, go into wallets after that, but there, we got a lot more school of coin episodes to come. Um, we hope you enjoy this. We hope you find this a good use of your time. And uh, we welcome any and all feedback, whether that's on YouTube or you can email bitcoinstoa at gmail.com. We love feedback. Um, that's what helps us get better. And yeah, thanks for listening. And we'll catch you in the next episode. Ciao.